Hey guys, it's Peter Lewis here. Man, I'm so excited for you to listen to this week's message. Talk about walking in the Spirit and how important it is for us to learn what it means to walk in the Spirit. The Bible says that Jesus himself is a life-giving Spirit. So I pray that this message encourages you, equips you, and really allows you to experience the fullness of what Jesus paid for us to experience in the new covenant. Love you guys so much. Have an awesome week. We love you. Love you. Morning. Morning. Wasn't that amazing, worship? Man, I love what Trey said. For those of you who are new, um, we have been... uh, we have been attempting to encounter Jesus like that for the last decade uh, plus. We just, we want him, you know, and I don't know if you could feel there was a point in that worship where it felt like God himself was inviting us to believe that all things are possible. And, and I just encourage you in those moments, um, there's the thing that you came here for is oftentimes found in those moments. Um, You can be amazed at what's happening. I know there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of movement, and you can, with the eyes of your flesh, see, wow, this is exciting and, 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 and full and a lot. I've never been to church like this, but in those moments, there's a spiritual invitation for the impossible things in your life or for the conditions in your heart of unbelief to be, to be changed in a moment. And so it's one of the gifts uh, of this house that, that God ultimately has built a place where he can come and dwell and encounter his people. Amen. So just honor the worship team for the sensitivity to the spirit. Yeah. Their leadership. I also wanted to, um, I also wanted to do one thing before we start. I want to honor, um, our elders. Um, if you're an elder, can you stand up in the room? We got the Galindos, the Stokes, who else? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you can stay standing for a minute. Um, we had an awesome uh, night at the Galindos on Friday night with some friends of ours. Uh, Joe and Kim over here, uh, they married Christy and I. We met in their home. And we were just reflecting on the faithfulness of God throughout years and just how um, I, I want us to just take a moment and recognize that God is a God of generations. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and we would not be here and we would not be experiencing what we're experiencing without mothers and fathers who've paved the way before us. And I feel like our culture is not super awesome about honoring the fathers and mothers. Um, and I feel like in the, in the household of God, we should esteem those who have gone before us, who've labored faithfully. The Bible says to honor those who've labored in your midst. And so um, I want to read their names because it's important. But we've got the uh, Jane and Truman Spring, Phil and Melissa Smith, Joe and Kim Galindo right here, uh, Shannon and Kimberly Stokes, uh, Mark and Marie Verkler, uh, Jeff and Michelle Hastings, and then obviously Michael and Larissa Miller. Michael's more of an elder because he's graying a lot more. Larissa, not so much. Um, I, you know, and then, and then a few weeks ago we lost, um, you can see, we, we love you. We'll honor you in a second and just pray, bless you. But um, we lost B.L. Brady, who was not an elder officially, but he was an elder in our midst, you know. And I was at his memorial service that was so precious and amazing. He was, a, he was a veteran, and so there was such honor. If you've ever been to a military funeral, there's such honor for their fallen. And um, I was so moved. I was just weeping in tears, looking at the natural honor that was given for this man. It was like in the natural. There were just the folding of the flag and the, and the taps and all. Just There was just honor in that. And I was like, man, this is such a picture, I believe, of what our Father gives to us when we come home. Like it's a glimpse and a shadow of like the honor that we get when, when we actually go home to be with the Lord. And, and Mike here on the front row, he said something years ago to me that has gripped me. He said, you know, we, o- we always eulogize the dead. He goes, but why don't we eulogize the living? Why don't we tell the living how precious they are to us and how valuable they are to us? And so I want to charge you and just exhort you. I know we're kicking off maybe a little heavy. It's not that heavy, but... Um, don't, 
don't let days or weeks go by without telling those in your life how precious they are to you and how much you appreciate them. And so we love you, we honor you, and we're thankful for you. And so just thank you, that's all, just thank you. Can we just thank them? Yeah. Amen. It also happens to be Joe's birthday, so wish him happy birthday. <clears throat> so on a lighter note, I used to, um, so I, I like to run, and I used to go to White Rock Lake, and I would see these old guys running. And the, when the old guy runs, he's usually running just pretty slow. And I'd be like, man, that guy's slow. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, back in the day, I used to run fast. I would just run fast because I liked running fast. And, and now as I'm, I'm older, I know I don't look older, but I am older with the ER than I was, um, I, I'm now getting more interested in longer runs, marathons and, and things of that nature. And I've learned that when you run longer, you have to run slower. And I think with the young generation, we do that. Like we judge older people in the Lord and we're like, man, they're not that exciting anymore. They're not doing the fast thing. They're not doing the cool thing, but they've just been steadily running for like four decades, faithful in God. Come on. And like, that's winning. Like they've covered miles and miles and miles and they're still faithful, still walking in purity, still loving God, still worshiping him, still have fire in their heart. And we like go to camp and get camp high and we're like, oh man, how come they're not as excited as I am? It's because they've been doing it for five decades. So that's all. Just, I just felt the need to say that, to reposition our hearts. Oh, man. All right. Um, well, let's pray, and then um, we'll hop into the Word. Jesus, we love you, and we honor you in this place. We want you to have your way. Uh, you're the leader, and we look to you. And so, Spirit of the living God, we ask that you would come and move upon our hearts, our minds, our bodies. Um, God, upon those in this room, those in the overflow room, those watching online, we ask spirit of the living God, fall fresh on those who have given their hearts, come to you in faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, I'm going to talk this morning about uh, walking in the spirit. Amen? Um, I think living and walking by the spirit is at the core of the Christian faith. Um, I think it's something that there's a lot of uh, maybe confusion around about what does it mean to walk in the spirit. Um, it can be one of those things where it, it feels a little bit kind of like you either get it or you don't, right? Like you're either mystical and swirly and weird and they just walk in the spirit. And, and we don't really know how to walk in the spirit if we're honest a lot of the times. We, we know that there are moments where we encounter God's spirit um, but many of us, I believe, as I've found, we, we're not really confident of how do we walk in the Spirit on a day-to-day -day basis. And what I mean by that is you're walking not, not in the strength of your own flesh, but by the power of the living God at work within you. I'll say that again, because that's like walking by the Spirit is walking with God, and that your life is lived through God. And this is at the core of the Christian faith. Is that, is that we get to now represent Christ to the world, meaning when the world looks at you, they should see Jesus. Now, for any of you who that feels like a burden, that tells you that you're not used to walking in the Spirit. It's not a burden to represent God to the world if you have God. If you don't have God, that seems like a, like a tall order. Amen? Um, so we're going to hop into that. So um, I'm going to just give you some scriptures, set the stage, and then I'm going to hopefully equip you, equip us uh, to walk in the spirit this morning. First Corinthians 15, 45. I'm going to start there. This is really important. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. It says, thus it is written, quote, the first man, Adam became a living being. The last Adam, speaking of Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. Say life-giving spirit. Life spirit. 
So you've got the first Adam who was a living being. He had life in him, but that life only went so far. His life only, only extended so far, excuse me. But the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now, biblically, we know that, that, that everyone in this world gets a choice. You get to live from the first Adam or from the last Adam. This is, this is the first decision we have to make as believers in Jesus Christ. Are you going to live from the first Adam or from the last Adam? Because your origin matters. Your origin matters. If you're living from the first Adam, then you'll say things like, you know, brother, we're always just, you know, we're only human. Well, we're all human. We're all going to just make mistakes. You begin to talk that way. Now, listen, there's a, there's a natural wisdom, and I, and I understand why we say that, but, but really that reveals that we're still identifying in thought and in belief with the first Adam. To live and walk by the Spirit is to live and walk through the life of Jesus Christ, which means we have to receive the invitation from God, from our Jesus, who is a life-giving Spirit. He says, I'm going to give you me <laughs> so that you can enjoy me, enjoy my Father, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and you can actually manifest me to the world around me who doesn't know me. This, this is plan A for the church, and there's not a plan B. All right. Go to Colossians 2.6. Colossians 2.6. We're going to be in Colossians a lot today. Paul says, this is amazing to me. He says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Say the faith. The faith. Just as you were taught, uh-oh, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, I want you to see this. Paul says, just as you were taught. How many of you were taught how to walk in the Spirit? You've been like taught, instructed, and you could say, hey, this is how you walk in the Spirit, and you feel like you could instruct someone else in that. Raise your hand. Okay, not many. That's amazing. We, we have not been taught how to walk in the Spirit. So in that vacuum of teaching, what happens is we, we communicate things inadvertently just, just by how we do things. And so let me, let me explain. Like, If you don't know how to walk in the Spirit, you will think life in the Spirit will only come when you just have momentarily, momentary encounters with the Spirit. And so you begin to look for places of encounter, which we need places of encounter, amen? We need, we need houses and atmospheres like this to have like life-changing power encounters with God. Like There was power in the room this morning. Oh, it was like palpable. I don't know if you felt it or you discerned it, but there was like miracle, wonder-working power in this room. And I was looking around and I'm like wondering who's plugging into this wonder-working miracle power. Like it, it was just here and it's still here. Amen. And so that's awesome. But, but listen, if, if we only ever encounter the spirit in rooms and environments like this, you will live a roller coaster Christian life. You will have great highs and then you will leave this place and the environment and the big bad world will get on you and then you will have great lows and you'll be like, I need Oscar to play the pads. You're having a bad day at work and you're like, oh, I need this thing. Come on. But the new covenant in Christianity is bigger than that. We have access to the spirit of the living God 24 by 7, regardless of your environment. Mm -mm -mm. I have a word for you from the Lord this morning for you. And I want to I say this. This is the word from the Lord. And I just want to impart this to you. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. 
In this world, you will have trouble, but this is the word from the Lord. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Come on. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But our Jesus says, take heart. Take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. But Peter, have you seen what's happening? I don't care. My Jesus has overcome. Come on, we have to change our perspective in the narrative, in the meditations of our heart, in our thoughts, in what we're talking about. We have to repent. Our Jesus has overcome. Hear me, he's overcome. I want to speak into your soul, into your heart. Take heart. There's so much anxiety and worry and fear about what's happening in the world right now. In our nation, I see people panicked. Well, what about this agenda and that agenda? I don't know. What about Jesus overcoming the world? What about he who's in you is greater than he who is in the world? What about that same spirit that's in me is going to be passed to my children? And my children are not victims of what's happening to this world. My daughter's nine and two. And listen, they are going to be raised in faith with the victory of the Lord. And so when they're, when they're attacked with things coming at them, like they're going to be prepared, not because Christy and I are super anointed, but because the spirit of the living God dwells in our home. Oh, come on. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen to my children. Why? Because the spirit of God. Mm-mm-mm. I am happy to be with you this morning. So, so we were taught. So I believe we have to be taught in the church how to walk in the spirit. And I'm going to scratch the surface of that this morning. Um, there's some things that are at stake. I believe that, that discipleship in the church, I believe that spiritual formation, that the primary thrust of discipleship should be teaching, training, equipping us to walk in the spirit. See, discipleship's gotten a bad rap because it's all about what you can do in the flesh. So you hear discipleship, people are like, oh, that, that, I feel exhausted. Come on, be real. How about we're going to start a discipleship program. You get tired in your brain because you're like, oh, I've done that before. It's workbooks. It's man. I, and you show up to lessons that you didn't do. Come on. Is there a worse feeling? You get that camp high and you're like, I'm going to do this for a year. I'm going to do this every day for a year. And then like a week goes by. Well, not every day, uh, maybe every third day. And then, you know, by the end, you're just like, I need a message on grace. I'm feeling so condemned. <laughs> Come on. And, and so discipleship in our mind has been about what can we do to kind of stay in the love of God and the new covenant and grow up and we become the source of our spiritual momentum. Discipleship is awesome because it puts you in the river of God and it becomes so fun to live the Christian life with Christ. Do you know how fun living the Christian life with Christ is? Do you know how fun and easy holiness is with Christ? Do you know how simple purity is with Christ? Do you know how simple sharing the faith is with Christ? Let me explain it this way. Let me give you evangelism 101. Have you ever like come home and like, I never eat fruit. I, I like fruit, but like, have you ever seen someone eating a peach? They're like eating a peach and they're enjoying it. And all of a sudden you're like, I got to have a peach. Come on. You're like, that looks so good. And you get the peach and you eat it. And you're like, that's so good. That person evangelized you how they just were enjoying the peach. They didn't come and they're like, Hey, let me tell you about these, these Georgia peaches. They're so good. And you're like, okay, I, I don't really need a peach, but you see someone like, like bite into it and the juice is coming out and they're enjoying it and they're, and they're not even looking at you. Right. They're not even like trying. They're just, this is so good. And all of a sudden that's, that's evangelism. You're just conscious of God and his overcoming victory and his love. And you're like, wow, you're so good. And the people around you are like, what? They're like, I want that. And you're like, oh yeah, come, <laughs> come. It's simple. Come on. Like trying to live the Christian life without Christ is like trying to surf without a surfboard. Let's go surfing. And you're like, 
you look like you're having fun. I'm not. Why? Because you don't have a surfboard. I'm in the waves just getting smashed by the waves. You're like, this is miserable. And the other guys are having fun, you know, surfing. Oh my gosh, life in the spirit is so good. Just as you were taught. Amen. So look, look at what's at stake. I, I, I wrote out eight things. There's probably 100 or 300 things that are at stake in the spirit, okay? So number one, we're born again by the spirit. You don't get born again by the flesh. Let me remind you. Let me, let me remind you of what we believe as a church. This is wild. Can y'all revisit this? Because when I say born again, about 94.6% of you just checked out. Because you're like, oh yeah, I'm born again, praise God. If you say born again and your heart doesn't skip a beat in excitement, you missed born again. I'll say it again. If you say the words born again and you don't start to get like excited, like someone just gave you a surfboard and you're about to go, like you missed it. Because this phrase is awesome. Like my mom is here. I was born, praise God, stormy night, 1984. And, and I love the fact that I was born. But when I got born again, everything that I received from my earthly line was, was made new and animated with the life and character and person of Jesus Christ. So, so here, watch this. Watch how this happens in the spirit. Well, some of the things that we believe in the spirit that seems so simple. So you were, you were miserable. You were stuck in your sins. You were trying to overcome in your own flesh. You had generational mess. Like your life was complete, utter despair. You were in addiction. Like you came and at one point you heard this reality that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. He loves you. He was buried and rose again on the third day so that you could have everlasting life. Like one day you heard that and something inside of you said, Yes, I want that. I, I received that. And your heart truly like reached out and laid hold of that. And you came maybe to an altar with a friend and you prayed and you acknowledged with your lips what you believed in your heart and you prayed a prayer. And, and in the natural, with your natural eyes, it looked very ordinary. It looked very simple. But we believe that something happened spiritually in that moment. That your old darkened heart of sin was washed like the spirit. Watch this. The real substance of God, the Holy Spirit, he took the blood of Jesus that was placed on the mercy seat, and he began to take your, your sin-saturated heart, and he, and, he, and he saturated it with the blood of Jesus. He permeated it in that moment, and you were forgiven of all of your sins. And that, and that death that once ruled and reigned in your thoughts and in your life was in a moment destroyed. You, like that happened in that moment. And in that moment of prayer, of confession, of being joined to Christ, you were actually resurrected with him in newness of life in the spirit to partake of his character and likeness by the Holy Spirit. We believe that. We believe that that's what happened. And you're like, wait a minute, that happened just by saying yes. And what happened, though, I believe in the church, in the body of Christ, and why we're experiencing so much confusion and carnality in the body of Christ is because we began in the spirit, but we've been trying to be perfected by the flesh. We, we started off in 90, uh, almost the entire room would believe that that's real of being born again. But where we get confused and where we have confusion is that the same way we started, as you received Christ, in the same manner, so walk in him. But see, we received Christ, and now we're so walking in the ways of man, in the ways of this pastor, in the ways of this church, in the ways of my upbringing, in the ways of this tr you know, tradition. And, and how we began, we're not continuing in the faith. Amen? All right, so look at this. Um, so, so there's seven other things. We have access to God by the Spirit. So your access to God is by the Holy Spirit. You will never have access to God by how much you pray, how much you do, how much you read your word, how much you share the gospel. Like Your access to God is by the Spirit through the person of Jesus Christ. Mm -mm -mm. What does this mean? This means that the same presence that was here, you can access that same presence 24 by 7 
in the spirit. Man. All right, I think it's good. Let me, let me tell you why that's important, because many of us think our access is based on other things. Like, we give ourselves permission to experience God in here, but few of us give ourselves full permission to experience God in the same way here as when you wake up in the morning. Like, what would it be like if you just gave yourself permission, like, hey, God, I'm cool with you to encounter me the same way I experience in the upper room, like when I wake up every morning. I just wake up in the love of God, just in the presence of God, just like, wow, <laughs> it's going to be a good day. Come on. Some of you wait for the coffee, and you're like, oh, it's hard. It's Monday. Like, what if you woke up in the spirit of God? You just wake up, your eyes barely crack open, and you're like, oh, it's on. You're like, come on, to-do list. Come on, work environment that I hate. Come on. You're just like, it's on. And before you even get up, you're just, you're, you're just your spirit man is just alive. This is our inheritance. Oh, man. All right. We receive life from God in the spirit. You receive life from God. God's life is imparted to you in the spirit. How many of you know Jesus is alive? How many of you know he's willing to deposit, like how alive is Jesus? Have you ever just pondered that for a second? I mean, have you ever given that a minute of your attention? Like how alive is he? Like is there any part of him that's just not like quickened and, and just like truly woke? <laughs> Come on, like he's just alive in the spirit. And he says, I want to give you my life to live your life. Number four, you'll find freedom from sin in the spirit. That's what happens. Her laughing keep... That's what happens when you actually surrender to what I'm saying. You will get drunk, intoxicated on the goodness of God, the love of God. It, because you're, you realize, oh my goodness... I've been trying to generate this on my own. This is the secret to joy in the Christian life. His joy is our strength. You were never made to burn out, friends. You were never made to like, to just, man, oh, I can't believe the world and what's happening in the world. Like, stop it. Why? Not because try harder and work harder, but because you have Christ. It seems so simple. This is the offense of the cross. This is the offense. Your flesh, cannot, your flesh cannot live beyond the cross. So your flesh is trying to add to things and like, well, I got to try to generate this spiritual momentum. No, it's by faith. You believe that in a moment you just go, yeah, God, thank you. And you got born again, filled with the spirit, received eternal life, and you did nothing. Why can we not walk in the same manner? Why can we not live in the same manner? Why can we not do everything that God requires of us in like manner? By grace, through faith. Oh, it should put a smile on your face. You Listen, if you are not walking free from sin, here, here is the biblical teaching for you. Are you ready? I'm, I'm, I'm going to just make a blanket statement. I'm pretty confident in this. It's the Word of God. Galatians 5. Will you go there with me? Galatians 5. I just want to read it because otherwise you guys would get mad. I'll say it. And you'd be like, that guy said, and I'm like, that guy said what God said. <laughs> Look what he says. Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you might not, oh, wait a minute, Sorry. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is God's answer for sin in the church. Well, but, but brother, what about, 
walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Now, that's frustrating if you don't know how to walk by the Spirit. She's okay. That's awesome. She's just drinking. You guys can drink too. So what this tells me is that walking by the Spirit must be for baby Christians. See, when I say walk by the Spirit, we think, oh, when I mature and stop gratifying the desires of the flesh, I'll be walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit is the means through which you will overcome your flesh. It's not a token that you get from having conquered your flesh in your own strength. Oh, my Lord, if you got this, you'd be up around this room. Because, listen, God invites us to walk by the Spirit. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack what that means here in a minute before you get frustrated with me. Because I feel you're like, I will just tell me how to do it. What do I do? Just be patient. Listen, we're so used to living by the flesh that you just, you, you, you get this thing. What do I do? What do you mean, what do you do? I'm trying to help you how to believe. I'm trying to, I'm trying to invite you to a way of believing and thinking. And because, listen, your thoughts and your beliefs matter, and they actually dictate the direction of your life. Did you know your thoughts can either please or offend God? Your beliefs can either please or offend God. The Bible says, the thoughts and medi- may the thoughts and meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord. Like, like your thoughts matter to God. What you believe matters to God. It's, it's a sign of worship when you believe rightly. Did you know that? Like when you live with a renewed mind and right beliefs about God, it actually blesses God. He's like, I am so pleased with how that person thinks about me. Like, you're just walking around, doing dishes, doing your life, and you're just thinking these thoughts about God. And he's like, I am so happy with their thoughts. And, we, and you, like, stumble and maybe miss the mark here and there, and you're like, oh, I can't believe God must be so mad. And he's like, I'm so happy with how they think about me. And one day, they're going to grow up into me and actually stop doing that thing. But right now, I'm so pleased with how they see me, and they're trying to honor me in their thoughts and in their life. You grow up into Christ, number five, by the Spirit. You have power to walk like Jesus in the Spirit. You experience life in the new covenant in the Spirit. And you ultimately will disciple nations and do all the glorious Christian things in the Spirit. Now, if we do not learn how to walk in the Spirit, all of that stuff becomes a yoke, a burden. We get exhausted. We get tired. And we, and we are not actually living in the fullness that he paid for. All right, go back to Colossians with me. We're going to look at a few scriptures, and then I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you some practicals, okay? <clears throat> Colossians 1, 21 to 23 says this. And you who are once alienated and hostile in mind. Interesting. He looked at our mind and he goes, wow. The way you're thinking, that's hostile towards me. Doing evil deeds. Huh. I wonder if the evil deeds came from the hostility in our minds. I wonder if righteous deeds will come through right thinking about God in our minds. So before you jump to what you must do, let's examine what we believe. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's amazing. Can you imagine when he comes standing holy and blameless and have no reproach? There's, no, there's nothing to accuse you. Like You're just like, man, I'm good before God, the holy, righteous, pure God. This is the work of the cross, the gospel, the new covenant. 
is he is going to present us holy and blameless before him. You're going to stand one day before him, not with a bunch of like accounts of wrongs and sins and, whoa, let's, let's deal with this before I let you in, holy and blameless. Now watch this, and, and, and we don't like this, but it's here. He says, if indeed you continue in the faith. Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. He says, listen, this is a reality if you continue in the faith. What does that mean? That's not a work. That's not a yoke. He's saying, I want you to live rightly in response to the revelation of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done. That is how you continue in the faith. When I say continue in the faith, it's the same as walking in the spirit. You can exchange them. Walking in faith and continuing in the faith is like walking in the spirit. And so like many of us are on the same page of getting, of having a moment of faith, getting born again. Now I'm new, but now we must all get on the same page of how do we walk in the spirit, in the faith, side by side, striving for this faith of the gospel. Are you guys with me? Are you okay? All right. So so I want you to see this. Colossians 2, 16 to 19. He says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. What's he talking about? He's talking about things that people were doing to try to achieve some spiritual standing and righteousness before others. So we can translate that to our day. What are the things we do and try to accomplish and present and posture and go, man, this is how I'm walking in the spirit. And I want to tell you, I want to just confess before you all and like just make it real clear. My spiritual life and what I have, I didn't pay for. Well, I wonder what price he paid to talk. I didn't. I didn't. I had to learn to honor the price that he paid. What I have, I I received from God. I did not earn it. I didn't take it. I didn't go. I received it from God. Everything I have, I received as a gift from God. And if you're honest with yourself, you would say the same of yourself. Anything you truly have from God came from him. Well, but brother, I spent this time, listen, that time was just you getting out of the way. Any time I spent thinking I was getting something was just time me realizing, man, I need to just get out of the way. The price has been paid. It honors Jesus. Listen to me. It honors Jesus when you receive the fullness of what he has to give based solely on who he is and what he's done. It dishonors him when you try to get from him something that he, he paid a high price to give you for free. Now listen, what I have is costly, but it didn't cost me. Make no mistake, it's precious and holy and costly what has been entrusted to me and to us as the family of God. It's precious. It's sacred. It is meant to be stewarded. There's a fear of the Lord involved. It's not like, oh, thank God I got it, whatever. You guys with me? So look what he says. He goes, man, these people, he goes, these, these things, these, these things of the law, they're a shadow of the things to come. Watch this. I love this phrase. I say it all the time, but the substance belongs to Christ. The substance. You will not have a life of substance in God unless you belong to Christ. The substance belongs to him. Listen, you can believe rightly all you want, but the substance is what makes a difference. It's the very substance of Christ given to us by the Spirit that makes a difference. Watch this. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism, severity to the body, all these disciplines and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous 
mind and not, watch this, this is amazing, not holding fast to the head. That's the key, holding fast to the head. Watch this, oh my word, from whom the whole body, that's you and me, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. God expects a growth in your person from where you are today, from a year from now to two years. He expects God to grow in you so that as the years go by, you look more and more like Christ. This is his expectation. If you are not growing with the growth that is from God, here is what's happening. You are not holding fast to the head. You are trying to grow some other way. And I want to be very sober. I want to be very strong. I want to be very like clear. If you try to grow apart from faith, apart from the gospel, apart from who Christ is, you will not grow. You will stay stuck. And I just want to challenge you. You know who you are. If you've been doing something and you're still experiencing the same carnal fruit, it means it's not working. And just be humble to acknowledge, okay, you know what? What I've been doing hasn't produced the freedom, the joy, the life, the power, the dominion, the, 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 all the things. And so you know what I should do? I should actually examine maybe I am doing something according to my flesh. Because you can do spiritual activity and be all up in your flesh. I've been there. I have done that. Oh, it's the worst. It is the work. Come on, who's been there? You're like doing the things, but you're not actually experiencing the life, and then you get mad at the things and mad at God. Oh, who am I talking to? See, you got some of you in here, you're mad at God and you're mad at me right now talking about this because you believed it was possible, but you did these things and you did them according to the flesh. And how you know that is because it didn't work. I want to tell you, God works. He is substance. He's real. He's better than we think. All right. So here's, here's how we walk in the spirit. I believe walking in the spirit, I'm going to give you five, five things that how we walk in the spirit. I'm going to get practical at the end. Um, walking in the spirit requires us to see and to hear Jesus. Faith comes two ways biblically. Faith comes by looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it also comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of, the word of Christ. So, so faith, your, your walk, watch this, your legs in the spirit will be mobilized by what you see, what you look at, and what you listen to. This is why it's so important that you mind what you look at and what you listen to. I don't want you to be confused. If you went to a gym and you're like, hey, I want to get in shape, and you're slamming cheeseburgers every day, and you're not moving, you will not get in shape. And if you had a personal trainer that was taking your money and not actually telling you, hey, you need to stop eating cheeseburgers and stop sitting around all day, this is not working. So in the spirit, watch this. If all you're ever looking at is the flesh, if all you're ever looking at is the flesh and all you're ever listening to is conversation that resolves around what people are doing in the world, well, can you believe what they're doing right now? Uh, yeah, I can. It's not hard to believe. Can we, I, I know I'm on this a lot. But I just, I'm hearing it a lot. People talking about the world in amazement that the world is acting like the world. Can we quit it? Can we just cut it out? Like, I'm not amazed by that. We have the gospel. We have the revelation of Christ. Let's proclaim, live it, and watch his kingdom advance, and we'll just all just kind of settle into the victory of Christ. It's the answer. You can focus on it and get worked up and worried, and what are we going to do? And listen, if you respond to the world, what are we going to do? You're going to be in your flesh. Yeah. 
You, when you look to Christ and you see and hear him, you go, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to walk in peace and in faith and love. I'm going to declare the gospel. I'm going to go into these places that people are afraid of. <laughs> Come on. So, so it starts with what you look at and what you listen to. And I don't have time to teach this, but just know this. In the garden, when, in the fall of man, the eyes of our hearts were opened and we saw our own nakedness and we saw the flesh of humanity and we got real obsessed with people. And we lost a consciousness of God. We lost the ability to see and live with an awareness of God. And so what Christ has done is he's made it possible for you and I to live with an awareness of God. So here's the five things. Number one, if I'm in my flesh, I'm going to start to remember who Christ is and what he's done. You can write down remember. This is, this is maybe one of the most spiritual words in all of your Bible. This is like steroids for your spirit, man. You want to take steroids? Learn to remember. Now, the opposite, I believe, of remembrance is distraction. Distraction, the root word for distraction, is literally being pulled apart. They used to torture people and pull them four different ways, and they were distracted. They were pulled apart. Right, And so in this world, we get distracted by so many things. Your attention, you're like, oh, that, that person's doing that thing, and i got to do this thing. And you get pulled in these different ways. And so you, you get so used to living in the flesh. But to walk in the Spirit, you have to stop. You've got to take time, and you have to remember. You have to remember, for we are members of Christ. And so you have to remember. How do you remember? You look at what he did. So you're like, okay, Lord, you died on a cross. You died on a cross for me. I'm going to remember that. I'm just going to remember that. You love me. And in remembrance, you begin the process of, of walking in the spirit, I believe. Now, these five things I'm giving you eventually will become first nature, they will become so natural to you to do. You will live in this realm. So I'm giving you handles that will eventually just become something that you do. Amen? So number one is remembrance. Number two, when you remember, when you remember who Christ is and what he's done, many of us, we, we just move on from that. And, and I think if you move on from that and you're like, okay, now, Lord, what do I do? <laughs> Um, you miss that exchange of life. And I believe we have to learn how to meditate. And really all I mean by meditate is just stay there for a minute. Break, break down, I'm real simple. Meditate just means stay there. Don't move on from there. Like allow, let's say, let's just use the cross as an example. When you remember the cross and you begin to meditate on it, what you're doing is you're allowing that moment to become real to you. You've got to see this. You cannot live and walk by the Spirit apart from this. Every command in the New Testament is attached to a revelation of the person and work of Christ. Let me say that again. Like when the Bible asks you to do something, it's tethered to a revelation of his work. I'll show you. Just You can look in your Bible. Um, Colossians 2.20. If with Christ you died, if with Christ you died, why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations? Meaning, the ability to not live by rules and the carnality is tied to if with Christ you died. Do you see that? Do you, what do you mean if with Christ I died? He's saying if you're actually living as though you died with Christ, why are you living in the world according to all these rules? You have a, a, a new access now. This is everywhere in your Bible. Look at, look at 3.1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. See, we read, oh, I need to seek the things that are above. No, 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 no. You can't do that unless you actually know and have experienced that you have been raised with him. Do you see how we're trying to do it in our flesh? Oh man, I didn't seek the things that are above this week. It's because you were not aware that if then you have been raised. So, so how, do we, how do we enter into the if then you have been raised? You have to remember 
that when Jesus on the Mount of Olives, gravity stopped working on him, he started going up. Jesus did, you all remember this? Jesus goes up, it's amazing, up he went, and he sat down. He sat down in heaven. He's been seated. And the Bible says that you and I have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. So unless, unless you realize that when he and sat down, that he did that not just for us, but as us, you cannot seek the things that are above. Because otherwise, that's just something Christ did by and by far away and Well, thank God he did it, and I hope I get some benefit from it someday. But now that seat becomes our seat. Why? So that we can have a heavenly perspective and live life from up there, from and through the man Jesus Christ. So we've got to stay there for a while. This is where I believe meditation is where numbness is broken off. If you're numb to God and his love, you just need to stay there with him a little longer. Number three, we have to learn to receive what he's giving us in that place. So in every, watch this, in every revelation of the person of Christ and the work of his salvation, the cross, the grave, the resurrection, his ascension, the blood on the mercy seat, his return, his life as a high priest, in every revelation, Jesus is trying to give us something. You've got to see this. He's a life-giving spirit. Jesus is constantly giving. Like we, we live, we serve a God who gives. He gives freely to all without finding fault. But many of us live as though God's stingy, waiting, holding out on us because we're not aware of what he's giving to us through his son and what he has given to us. And so have you ever given a gift to someone that you put a lot of thought to and you know this person like gets a lot of gifts and you give it to them and that their thank you, like their response to the gift, like doesn't match how much love that you gave it with. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever given to someone and you're, they're like, hey, thanks. <laughs> and, you, and you're a little bit like, you're kind of hurt, but really you're not hurt because they, they didn't say, oh, you, you know, you're so kind. It's not self-seeking. It's just... You feel in your heart, oh man, you didn't, you didn't actually receive all the love I was trying to give you. Like you're, you're a little bummed because they're like, you're like, oh, you didn't catch that. Like I did all this and then they're like, oh, thanks. And like they just kind of, or if someone's like, hey, I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you 500 bucks for this thing. And you're like, oh, thank you. Thank you. And, you. and you say thank you, but really, you haven't really received it yet because they said, I'm going to give it, and so you just say thank you. Are you guys with me? See, I think we do this with the Lord sometimes. We say thank you for things he's given to us, but we don't actually receive them. Oh, thanks, God, for the forgiveness of sins. Thanks that I've been born again. Thanks for the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Thanks. <laughs> How do you know you've received from Christ? How do you know? How do you know you've received the substance? Anyone? You freak out. I'm serious. I don't know when was the last time you freaked out. This is the crux of, I believe, where we're at as a body. Like, we we are so close, but we don't actually receive. You know why we don't receive? Because we don't think we're worthy. I feel the Lord on that. We don't receive from him freely because we don't think we're worthy. And so what happens is when we see that God wants to give us something, what we do is we create a list of why we don't think we deserve that. We're like, ah, I'll receive breakthrough when. And what if God's like, I want to give you breakthrough now? What if he wanted to give you breakthrough now? 
but Peter, you don't know how, many, how long people have been praying for me. You don't know all the things I've done. I don't know, maybe, maybe he's broken through for you. Maybe he wants to just give it to you. The longing fulfilled. So repentance is required. Lord, I, oh, I've been trying to get these things in my own strength. There has to be an exchange in this place. You have to receive love. You have to receive forgiveness. You have to receive grace. And for me personally, how I know I've received from God is because real, listen, I want to say this because faith gets a bad rap in the church. Like with people that are real like, like pastoral and like it can get a bad, like, well, what about my emotions? And listen, your emotions are important, but I want to tell you something from, from experience. When you're truly walking by faith, your emotions will change. There will be an exchange of despair, of hopelessness, of, of brokenness. There will be an exchange from God, like a real, come on, a real exchange of like, I'm depressed, I'm anxious. And then all of a sudden, when you enter in by faith to the spirit of what Christ has done, there's an exchange. God, here's my anxiety, here's my depression, here's my past, here's everything I've ever done, here's everything that's ever been done to me, and I'm going to receive your smile and your life and your peace and your joy and your righteousness and your power and your authority. Oh, what if you could receive it? Come on. He gave his disciples authority to cast out devils and to heal the sick, and we're busy trying to earn that thing. Oh, I could, I could run around this room. I could spit. I am try, I'm gripping this thing because I, like, come on. How many of you have ever been, like, in the flesh, but then you begin to rise up in your spirit, and your spirit, man, like, got real big, and you're like, oh, this is what it's like. Come on, you were made for that. You were made to like rock up into a room, into your family, and like, hey, it's possible. He's alive. He's alive. You were made for that. You were made for it. Like, like we're, not, we're not apologizing for being followers of Christ. We're not trying to tiptoe into a room. We're not just, you know, eh. No, he holds the keys to death and Hades. He reigns. He's Lord. It's not flexing. I'm not flexing muscles. It's God. He's, he really lives in there. And he lives in you. In this jar of clay, this busted jar of clay, he's like, I'm in there. And I'm in there. And, and you are one like shift of your mind of repentance, of allowing him to rule and reign in your thoughts. You are like one little like, like tweak in your mind of just being filled with the Spirit of God. And when you are, there's an exchange and you begin to feel his presence and you begin to feel his life and you begin to have power in life that you did not have prior to that moment. Oh, help me, Lord. So when you receive something from God, do you know the appropriate response? Thank you. Thank you. And in that place, you begin to consummate what you received. And you begin to thank God and you begin to worship him and you begin to adore him. You guys can come up if you want. And you begin to, like, you have to thank him. You have to worship him. Not because, listen, sometimes I feel like we thank God before we remember and, and, and meditate and receive. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, we say thank you, but we, we're not really connected to what we're saying thank you for. And, and there's a thank you and a worship that will explode when you actually receive something from God. You're not trying to thank him. You're just so freaking out. You're like, oh, I've been trying to do this my whole life, but you just gave it to me. Thank you. Oh, I worship you. You're amazing, Jesus. How could you be so good? And worship explodes out of your heart. And adoration begins to pour forth. And it's like you enjoying that peach and when you're living a life of worship and walking in the spirit, I'm telling you, the lost will jump into the boat. 
You will not convince anyone. You will not have to convince anyone. Well, I need you, you know, let me, how do I share the gospel? Just enjoy God. All right, the last thing I believe, and again, there's probably a lot of things I could have said, um, is in that place of receiving from Christ and giving thanks and worship, is I believe we were intended to give it away. So like if you're there and you're like, you, you just get free, you're like receive freedom from the cross and freedom from your sin, like God's desire is that you give that to someone around you, to a person, to a human being, you, that that flows through you to them, out of your lips, out of your life, that if it's forgiveness, wow. Like some of you, I just feel prophetically in the room, we're gonna do this right now. We're gonna actually, like, we're gonna do this with the cross. And so if y'all got a song on the cross, I think y'all have like 100. Um, <laughs> I, we're going we're gonna to take these last few minutes here, and if you need to go, God bless you, but I want us to actually model this, and thanks for being patient with me, but we have to give what we receive. If you don't, you'll become what the Bible calls like, like a salt creek, where water comes in and it doesn't flow out, and it will become stagnant, and you'll get puffed up. You'll become all about you. It'll become all about what you know and how much revelation you have, and that's a bummer because the world needs the rivers of living water to flow from your belly. So you don't need to stand, but I want us in this moment, I want you to remember, and you can do this with any of the works and revelations of Christ, but for the sake of unity in the room and across the online and in the overflow, I want us to just take a few minutes before we do anything, I want you to bring the cross of Christ to your remembrance. For those of you who are unfamiliar doing this, one of the things you can do is you can begin to imagine with God what the sound of the nails was like going in. It's like watching it in HD. Like I want you to just remember that moment for a second. to see Jesus, the Lamb of God, bruised and beaten, slain for all the world to see, his body broken, his real blood pouring forth out of his veins. He had real blood. It's not just a metaphor. It's not some picture. He was a real man 2,000 years ago that bled out on a cross. I want you to see him breathing there, catching his breath, trying to find his breath. Just let it become real to you just in this moment. And as you see that cross, I want you to understand that everything you've ever done that displeased God and everything that will ever happen that misses the mark has forever been placed upon him. Every offense, every mistake, every I should know better by now, a tremendous price was paid for God to tell you, my son, my daughter, I forgive you of your sins. And there's only one who has the authority to forgive you. And he says, I forgive you. And the reason why I'm not going to keep a record of this wrong in our relationship anymore, the reason why I've determined to treat you like my son or my daughter is because these wrongs have been accounted for in my son. And so you can rest assured, confident that you're forgiven and that you're free. And I want you to just meditate on that for a second. And as you do, I want you to receive his forgiveness. It's one thing for me to say it. It's another thing for you to actually receive it and to allow the peace and the joy of God to fill your heart from that reality.
just take one minute and just the best you know how receive his forgiveness let his peace fill your heart let confidence flood your soul let his smile break in to your heart see that now there's nothing inside of you that would make him shrink back from you be offended at you be frustrated or angry with you there's a smile on his face and you're the beloved of God in his son to receive it and then we're going to enter into a time of thanksgiving and worship as we close and I believe that as we do God's going to put someone on your heart and on your mind that that you need to forgive and just offer the same forgiveness that you freely received from Christ that you would just offer that to a spouse to a loved one you say God you know what if you don't keep a record of my sins if you don't treat me according to what I did, then I'm going to offer the same to those around me. So as you receive his forgiveness and his love, 